Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eurotrips Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Ryan, and I'm happy to say we're back talking boxing. After last year, we piloted a few boxing episodes featuring the likes of Andrew McCart and Ryland Shelton. But because of the success of the main football podcast, as well as the YouTube channel and other commitments, we had a little break. But we are now back talking everything boxing related, hopefully on a regular basis. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Elliot of ESBR and Charlie of CP Boxing. Now, you may all know Elliot already, as he did appear on those aforementioned episodes. So before we get into it, how are we, how are we doing, fellas? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Really good. Good stuff. I'm happy to say these gentlemen will hopefully be regular guests for most episodes as well. Obviously, some weeks they might not be able to attend, but we'll see how the, uh, how the future goes. But we're hoping to bring on a special guest every week as well. This week, it will just be the three of us, but I'm sure that'll be enough to discuss everything that we are looking to talk about but let's get into it so first of all I was going to mention the Fury White fight to get us going as lately that's been the big news especially with the press conference today but we need to talk about the fight in Scotland over the weekend which has caused major controversy in the world of boxing for any of our listeners unaware of what happened I'll quickly break it down for you all so basically, Josh Taylor, he is the undisputed lightweight world champion and is one of boxing's pound-for-pound stars. And on Saturday night, he fought in his home country of Scotland, specifically in Glasgow, against his mandatory challenger, Jack Catterall. Now, for context, Taylor was a 16-to-1 on favourite to win this fight, so not many people gave Jack Catterall a chance. But after five or six rounds, Catterall pretty much won them all. He was bossing the fight. Taylor was looking a bit nervous, under pressure, trying to throw away too many power punches and just wasn't in any kind of rhythm. As we got on to the later rounds, it got a little bit more even with Taylor nicking one or two of the rounds as Carroll slightly took his foot off the gas. Both fighters, should I say, had a point taken away from them in the later rounds as well. Carroll for holding and Taylor for punching after the bell. Taylor was also knocked down in round eight, meaning that would be a 10-8 round in favour of Catterall. And when the final bell went, I'd say pretty much everyone expected a comfortable points win for Catterall. Some people had it a little bit closer, but nearly everyone had Catterall winning. But this is boxing, and that's not always the case because two judges actually gave it to Josh Taylor, most notably Judge Ian John Lewis, who somehow gave Taylor the win by three rounds, I believe, with another judge giving it to Taylor Boy one round. This caused major controversy as Catterall stormed out of the ring, and most of the media ringside, including the people working for Sky, were furious and stunned with the result, most notably the likes of Johnny Nelson and the promoter Ben Shalom. Now, I want to go to Elliot first on this one and get his opinion of the fight and basically what he thought of the whole night in general, really. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to 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 be in Glasgow and be ringside to kind of witness the the shock and horror from from everyone who was there. Um yeah, it was just I think we've seen kind of dodgy decisions in this country and in other countries as well, and debatable scorecards and lots of that sort of thing go on. But I'm not sure we've kind of seen anything quite like this and on the stage like this, i.e undisputed title fight in front in front of a big crowd um two undefeated fighters at the time and 
yeah, it's just it's one of those where you can watch the fight 10 times and you're still going to question how Ian John Lewis and Victor Laughlin had the scorecards that they had, especially with the knockdown, especially with Taylor being deducted to the point. So it was all very kind of strange. And I think one thing that is positive now is that we've had decisions similar to this in the past and a week later or so, they've just kind of been for, been forgotten about. People have just stopped talking about them. Um, whereas now I think there are enough people who are, who are demanding kind of, who are demanding change and demanding that something be, be, be done about this and ideas are being thrown about. So I think that's one positive that comes out of this because it was that bad a, that bad a scorecards and it was all just, yeah, all just very strange. Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to sort of think of the last major fight that had a, that caused this much sort of controversy really simply because we do often see these poor scoring and in British boxing, you normally see it at a bit of a lower level. You don't often see it at such an elite level as this. You know, this is a, this was a fight for, you know, the undisputed lightweight world champion. You know, there's what, two, three, four belts on the line. So this is why I think it caused as much controversy as it did, plus obviously it being on Sky Sports as well. Um, I'd probably say, what, Canelo against Golovkin the first time around? Probably the last mm. time I saw one of this magnitude that was sort of highly talked about for a long time afterwards, but some people even mention it now. Um, but what about you, Charlie? What's your... What were your thoughts watching the fight and then afterwards as well, mate? Yeah, it was one of those fights where when you're watching it and you get into the 11th, 12th round, you're more confident and confident that it's going to be Carroll who gets the decision. But when the scores were announced, I, I was just in shock. I couldn't believe when when the scorecards, was it 115 to 111, I think it was, to Taylor. Uh, you, just, you just think, how how did the judges even get that when there's a knockdown? Obviously, two points deducted even that, even that out a bit more, but... It, it's it's probably one one of if not the worst worst decisions I've seen watching boxing as a fan. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like I say, it's um, it was weird as well towards the end because when the fight finished and you sort of saw both fighters celebrating, you do often see that, especially if a fighter's lost by quite a distance and he knows he's lost by quite a distance as well. Sometimes they'll they'll just do it for the sake of doing it and. You know, you do you do wonder yourself, and I did wonder if Josh Taylor genuinely thought, you know, he actually won the fight when they both finished. And as it grew on and on, waiting for the decisions, you kind of saw the morale in Taylor's corner going lower and lower and lower, and Carroll's going higher. And you thought, well, surely this is only going to go one way. And just as it sort of dragged out a little bit more, I thought, surely they're not going to go to a draw. That was my worst thinking, really. And as I say, as soon as the first judges, you know scorecard came out with it going to Taylor for now it's going to Taylor now it's it's ridiculous you can't have one judge do it and then another probably another one won't then follow and unfortunately that's what we saw and as I say I mean it's it's no solace to to Jack Catterall who was denied you know the probably the greatest win and the greatest night of his life and you know it's okay everybody you know saying in, on Twitter afterwards and on social media that he's that he won the fight and all this other stuff, but that doesn't mean anything really to him. And with Josh Taylor now probably going up in weight, hopefully one of these governing bodies makes Catterall the um, the mandatory 
against whomever else for at least one of those belts because that's the minimum of what he deserves. Because I don't think any, it's very, very, very rare that we see any kind of results overturned in boxing. So I don't think we'll see anything like that. But yeah, just a bit of a bit of a shocker, really. Um, and again, it's sort of stuck with me for the last couple of days. But moving on to the aforementioned Tyson Fury versus Dillian White fight. That was, I suppose, formally announced today with a press conference at Wembley Stadium. And yeah, it was, um, I mean, Elliot was there. Um, I was watching the live stream on uh, on YouTube, which actually cut out after 10 minutes and I had to go and watch another one. Uh, that's Queensbury for you sometimes. Uh, but I mean, I suppose, Elliot, it was as bizarre sitting there as it was watching it on TV, really, and just thinking what, you know, the actual fuck is going on here. Like, yeah, I'm going to get your your views again first, just because you was there. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty unique and a bit just very strange to have a press conference when only one of the fighters are there. But at the same time, it was quite a good experience in the way because you're probably possibly unlikely to experience experience that again. Um, and yeah, I think it just maybe the fact that Dylan White wasn't there kind of just inc- is going to kind of increase the intensity when it comes to fight week. Um, and yeah, it was all just obvious ob- for obvious reasons. It was very, um, it was, it was, it was very one-sided. Um, and yeah, I think one thing that's good is Tyson Fury can talk. Tyson Fury can talk for England. I think he could, you could, the press conference could have been three hours long with just him talking, but talking by himself. So, um, wasn't kind of short of entertainment and um, yeah, it kind of was what it was. It was still an event. The press conference was at Wembley stadium. Um, there were obviously lots of, you know, there were lots of press there. The, the likes of BBC, Sky Sports, BT Sport obviously were, were there. So it was still a big event, but um, it was a bit strange. It was a bit kind of, it was a little bit repetitive at times with Tyson Fury, just kind of giving messages to Dillian White and saying what he's going to do without Dillian White, obviously, not having the opportunity to opportunity to respond, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Kind of, we've not got we've got what, seven odd, odd weeks to go until fight night now, so not long to go. So, yeah, looking forward to that now. Yeah, I mean, we already knew what it was going to be as soon as everyone was made aware that Dillian wasn't going to attend the press conference. It was just going to be a a barrage of insults and criticism from both Tyson Fury and and Frank Warren. And I found it a little bit funny because, as you say, you know, Tyson was repeatedly saying he didn't care that White wasn't there, but yet he just kept mentioning it. I know he was asked a question a few times about it as well, but it was just a bit strange, really, that he, you know, that he was sort of contradicting himself a couple of times there, and you, know, you could see the anger in Frank Warren's face as he's just sitting there going redder and redder and redder just because Dillian didn't turn up. Now, before we go any further, you know, I will I will say for context, I am a Dillian White fan and I want him to win the fight just straight up. You know, I'm not going to sit on the fence. Um, I do like Tyson in a sense. I don't I can't think of many boxers in the past that I've cheered on more than when he fought Vladimir Klitschko and Deontay Wilder the first time round. But more in recent times I don't know, just the 
the the hypocrisy and you know I always compare him to to like to like a father like a dad who goes on social media shouldn't have his phone on him with the amount of stuff that comes out of his mouth and the things that he puts on Instagram especially and you think just please put the phone down and relax yourself you know you, you don't need to be gone on Instagram you know putting filters on yourself calling AJ a bum or a dosser and you know people know your thoughts and you know that's that's it but it's just I don't know in recent times I've just firmly gone off him and I just wanted to make that clear so people are aware of that but I'm still going to try and be as objective as I can but I'll go to Charlie now as I know he's a a Tyson Fury fan um we'll get his views on the matter now as well yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one, just having one person at a press conference. I don't think I've ever seen it before, but if you want one person at a press conference trying to promote a fight, it's going to be Tyson Fury. He can, he, like you see today, he argues with the poster of Dylan White, makes everyone laugh. He's, he's just one of those types of people. I know a lot of people hate him, but I think that's what he tries to do. He tries to get people talking about him when he says all this stuff about AJ, White, Eddie Herm, and then a week later he says something completely different. Uh, that, that's just that's the type of person he is. Um, but I, I, I don't really agree with why not turn up. I, I get that his, his, um, I think he's trying to sue the WBC or whatever he's doing. And obviously it, it, it doesn't benefit him to go to the press conference. But surely this type of fight, you'd want to build it up, get more people interested. And if you pull off the win against Fury, he's going to look even better for you. Mm. Yeah, I see. I, I, I do see your point. 100% there, but I think someone mentioned it um, in one of the sort of interviews after the press conference in the fact that, you know, Dillian, he had no reason really, apart from helping promote the fight, which he's not going to help Frank Warren and he's not going to help Tyson Fury because we know of his dislike to both of them. I know you don't have to like each other in in boxing, in sport, in business to, to do good business together, but I often think if if the shoe was on the other foot, would Frank Warren be, be advising Tyson Fury to turn up and help Eddie Hearn and match him out? Probably not. We know that they hate each other, do Frank Warren and, 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 and Eddie. And, you know, I don't necessarily blame Dillian for not turning up because we know that there's an 80-20 per split in favour of Fury. And what Frank Warren, he did mention it two or three times that, Tyson's last purse was 20 odd million dollars and Dillian's was 350 grand or whatever it was. And, you know, Eddie Hearn's spoken about that before. It's something to do with, you know, owning a show and owning pay-per-view buys. And you know, we're not going to get onto all that anyway. But at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't benefit Dillian to be there. He's not getting any extra revenue from the pay-per-view buys. He's not being paid to be there. And I think he's just playing mind games at the end of the day. He's just... You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, nobody would really want to sit there and be, you know, almost abused and, and showered at by, by Tyson Fury for, what, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it was. So I think I think it's brilliant that he's just, you know, said, you know, but basically put his middle finger up to him and just said, you know, I'm just going to continue doing my thing, doing training, and on fight week I'll turn up and, you know, give him my, my best shot kind of thing. And, you know, I've... I, I, I've it's not often you see Tyson Fury rattled, and he wasn't—he wasn't rattled, you know, 
down to a sense. But I think it has got to him the fact that White is not engaged. He's not talking about the fight. He's not talking about Fury, although he is active on social media. You know, he's, we saw a few comments with, between him and AJ yesterday and you know, he's posting videos of his dogs and whatnot and ads and all this other business as well. So you know, I think it's just hilarious. And if, and if anything, it, you know, it continues to build the intensity, like Elliot said, and, and almost the hype around the fight because, you know, you're getting that almost awkwardness now between them. And it'll be interesting to see what it is like on fight week. Um, Tyson Fury saying he's going to come in the heaviest he's ever fought. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, it's, it's hard to say what what he's going to do. But I don't know. Do you, do you, do you necessarily think, Charlie, that he's going to come in you know, over 19 stone for the fight? Or do you think that's just him saying it for the sake of it? No, I think I think he's just saying it for the sake of it. it, it every fight, it's uh, he always says to me, "I'm going to come in it this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going mm. to do this." Um, I think he said. I think I read today that he said he's going to retire after he fights Dylan yeah. Wilde, which We know he's, he's not. He's definitely not going to retire after this fight. No. It, uh, about a year ago, he said he's never going to fight in the UK again. Which so it's so. I, I, I know he's, he's. I'm a big fan, but some of the times, just some of the stuff you read, you think it better just keep his mouth shut, but. It's Tyson Fury for you, isn't it? It's, it's, it's what comes with him. Yes, exactly that. And so, mate, you know, he, he, you just don't, you can know, he is the one man you just cannot predict. Doesn't matter, you know, what he does. And, um, you know, I did find it funny that he had his, you know, new merchandise in front of him of the um, ferocity energy drinks. You know, he's got, you know, three or four of them sat in front of him and yet he's drinking a bottle of water. I thought, you're not really, you know, Making your point there, mate, but it is what it is. Um, but we move on to predictions for that fight. Now, I think everyone's probably going to go the same way in this sense because, let's be honest, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world at the moment. I don't think there's a heavyweight out there that beats him. I think you know, he, he went up against arguably the second best in Deontay Wilder. He beat him all three times. You know, The first one was a draw, but it wasn't a draw. And, you know, he's been put on his ass by, you know, probably the biggest punch in boxing he's got up. So it's it's all about how he is on fight night, basically, I think. And I'd say if you was doing it percentage-wise, I would probably say 80 in favour of Fury and 20 in favour of White, maybe. So similar to the first bits in in, in terms of chances, because we know Dillian can bang. He's got, you know, that massive left hook. He, you know, he's, he's knocked out plenty of heavyweights. You know, not many people knock out Derek Chisora like he did. So he's always got that heavyweight puncher's chance. But I'll go to Elliot first for his predictions and how he thinks the fight will unfold. Yeah, I think if you consider the way that Tyson Fury's fought in his last couple of fights... With the kind of the famous Kronk style on the front foot, very, very aggressive. Obviously, he's um, stopped Deontay Wilder twice, twice in a row, um, with a couple of knockdowns along the way. Um, if you consider White's been stopped twice in his career, I'd lean to a Fury stoppage, kind of round six to nine. Are my kind of thoughts? If I had to give you kind of a, a prediction. However, look, Fury's been on as you said. Fury's been. Knocked down several, you know, several times in his career. I remember him getting knocked down by 
Steve Cunningham all those years ago, who's a kind of a blown up cruise, who was a blown up cruiserweight, really. So Fury's just, I think one of Fury's weaknesses is that he's can quite easily just like walk into a shot mm. and you don't want, you know, you don't want to do that against 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 Dillian White, as you say, he's he's a, he's a very powerful heavyweight. I know Deonta Wilder is as well, but can Dillian White put a bit more pressure on Tyson Fury than Deontay Wilder can? Can Dillian White capitalise on the knockdown a bit better than Deontay Wilder did in the fights that he had against Fury? So I think that those are the questions. I don't think it's gonna. It's not. It's not going to be an easy fight for Fury. I don't think it's going to be a straightforward fight, and I think he knows that. Um, so yeah, going for a Fury win by stoppage, but wouldn't surprise me to see Fury get knocked down. Um, see White kind of win, win, win a couple of rounds. Um, I'm interested to see how White approaches this fight actually, because he might go into that in, into this fight saying, right, this fight's going to last three or four rounds. It's me or you. I think that's what he should do. I think that that's that's his best chance. Of, that's his best chance of winning the fight, rather than kind of easing his way into it or trying to box Fury. You're not going to win that way. So, yeah, that's a bit long, bit bit of a long answer. But that's 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 the prediction. That's the prediction I would give. No, definitely. Um, that that is it, isn't it? Because no heavyweight is going to outbox Tyson Fury. It's just not going to happen. And ultimately, that is the key to defeating him. Just going hell for leather for the first few rounds, trying to land that punch. Um, mind you, we've seen we've seen him in trouble um, previously. By I can't remember his name, the heavyweight who looked awful the other night on Sky Sports. Oh, uh, what's his name? Are you talking about Fury or White? Uh, Fury. Oh, Otto Wallen. That's the one. Oh, Otto yeah. Wallen, yeah. Brain freezer. Um, yeah. So obviously he had him in trouble out in America. Um, you know that fight was looking a bit dodgy towards the end and. We, we saw Otto Wallen, you know, what was it, a couple of weeks ago on Sky Sports where he didn't look good at all. So you do wonder, you know, the vulnerabilities of Fury. We saw it mentioned again today by Tony Belli that, you know, Fury's taken some heavy, heavy punches from Deontay Wilder over these last sort of three fights. And you wonder how much damage that might have done to him. How, you know, has he still got that? you know, fluid movement? Has he still got that, you know, that chin? So I'm interested to see, again, like you are, how how Dillian does approach it. I, I think he will, he will do exactly that. I don't, he's not stupid. He's got a good team around him. So that'll be the interesting sort of factor within the fight. Uh, Charlie, I imagine you're going for a, for a Fury win. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be a late, late Fury stoppage, rounds 10 to 12. I feel like it's going to be the same the same way how the second Chisora fight went. It's just a one-sided beat-down boxing lesson. Um, I, I agree with what Elliot said. I think it, it, why it's best chance of winning has got to be come out first four rounds and just give it everything because you're not going to outbox him. He's, he's the best best boxer in the heavyweight division by far. Um, I just can't see how White touches him at all, anywhere close to him. I, I get people say he's got this big left hook, but Fiori took... Wilder's best shots. Who's the arguably the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division? I won't, I won't say all time, but he's up there. He took him and he came back up and he stopped Wilder. So I, I just can't see how White will trouble Fury unless it's, it's, it's a lucky shot. 
Yeah, absolutely. One thing that's always, you know, that, that one thing I've always questioned though about this unbelievable power from Deontay Wilder is when you actually look for his resume, you know, he hasn't got a great resume as Deontay Wilder. His m- most notable names on there, probably Luis Ortiz. Um, you know, there's not really many others on there who you think, you know, that durable. Um, so I often think, you know, he is definitely a massive puncher, one of the best in the world. But I always did question whether his power was maybe a little bit overrated. So, you know, has he has he has he arguably got you know a bigger shot than the likes of Joshua and White? I don't know. I I, I think they're very very similar. You know, we've seen Anthony Joshua knock out most of his opponents. You know, Dillian has got his fair share of KOs as well. You look, look how he knocked out Povetkin. I know he was Povetkin's and a pensioner, but you know he's 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 got that power. I find, and as Elliot mentioned, you know he's not gonna if if he puts Fury down or wobbles him, he's 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 gonna go for it. He's not gonna sit back. He's not gonna give him any time to recover like Wilder did. He will continuously just go for it until. He's either got no more or the round is up, basically. So I'm in, I'm intrigued on that one. You know, I'll get your point, Charlie, as well. Do you, do, you, do you share the same sort of thing about Wilder or do you think that his power is justified and he is still one of the biggest punches about? Yeah, de- definitely. When you look through for his record, there's no notable names, really. Um, obviously, you've got Luis Ortiz, but Luis Ortiz is... is is probably top ten at our best. Mm. Um, is I think he had four. What was it? Forty fights, forty knockouts, or thirty nine knockouts before he fought Fury. And only the last eight of them were recognisable names. So you can't go off that. But then you've got to look at like the likes of Dylan White. Um, I think he's, he's, some of the people he's fought is not not out. I think it's Marius, is it Marius Wacker, Wacker, mm-hmm. his name is uh, Oscar Rivas. There's a few of them he, he didn't knock out. And you think if that was Wilder, he. You'd assume that he would he would take him out, win twelve rounds. Um, yeah, so you can put him up. The names aren't great, but he did knock him out. What what can you do if he's he's just knocking out who's in front of him? No, that's true. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think for for, for Maris Wack, that was on the undercard of uh, Anthony Joshua against Ruiz in Saudi Arabia, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, we saw why he he came in. He he looked awful. He was he was massively. Overweight, he was he was heavy, and he was just there just to you know get his name out there a little bit more. I think so. I don't sort of count that one. Oscar Rivas, I think, is definitely underrated by a lot of people. Obviously, we saw him mainly in that fight against White, and he he was that that was a genuine 50-50 fight. I think, um, and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to argue. And so when 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 these sort of three or four big names and the heavyweight division haven't really got opponents like that fought each other kind of thing. It's hard to compare. You know, they, they don't share that same resume each, if you will, apart from maybe White and Joshua. So it's a difficult one to to say. I mean, Elliot, I don't know what you think of all of it. Um, it's a tricky one. I, I mean, I, I think what we need is we need to see Wilder in in these big in these in these big fights now because I, mm. I personally think he I think I, I have him down as either the second or third best heavyweight in the world 
Um, that's just kind of that's just my that's just my opinion. I think although he's not fought a lot of great fighters, he's he's knocked a lot of guys out in in in, in impressive style. And yeah, I think that if he was to fight Dylan White and Andy Joshua, I think it would um it would it, I think it could quite possibly quite possibly go his way. Um, because I think well, if you look at the two Ortiz fights as an example, he can be out, he can have be outboxed, but eventually he's going to get you. And when he hits you when he hits you with that right hand it's it's explosive it's very difficult to recover from that yeah definitely I mean obviously at the moment nobody knows what Deontay Wilder is going to do he might retire he may come back and fight again try to fight for the world title again but I don't know I think Tyson Fury done such a job on him not just in the ring but outside of the ring you know he he humiliated the guy pretty much and you know, he kind of lost the plot after the second fight a bit and I just don't think he's really ever fully recovered. And you know, he's, he's been linked with the likes of maybe the Andy Ruiz fight. Derek Chisora is, is a name that's sort of been floating about for him. And I'd be intrigued to see him go up against Andy Ruiz, someone else we haven't seen for, yeah. for, for, for a little while. Um, but but you've, you, yourself, you've just like named a few fights there. That would be big fights, be good fights to see. Um, so... It would be great to see him fight on because I do think he's still got a lot to offer. Mm. Um, I've heard mixed reports, to be honest with you, but I think there is a good chance he will do because there's going to be, you know, it's heavyweight boxing at the end of the day, and there's going to be some there, there's going to be some big offers on the table for him that I think he'll maybe maybe struggle to maybe struggle to turn down. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think it, it would be nice to see him come over here, come to come to the UK and have a big fight. You know, Derek Chisora would be a would be you know a massive name for him on his resume. It would be it would be a good fight because we know Derek's got 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 the power to knock knock people out as well, and he is very durable. Not many people have knocked him out really. Over you know obviously you've got White and you know some of the names from the past as well. But you know that would bring the best out of Chisora, and you could imagine the build up would just be unreal. Um, but it's. You know, it's one of them ones, isn't it? But before we move on from this whole topic as well, I, I want to get the thoughts from both of you as well on what you think this undercard might look like as well for the for, for the entire show because we know that they're going to try to sell out Wembley. Whether they will or not is another matter, but especially in, in weeks gone by, we've seen some incredibly poor undercards um, on Sky Sports notably as well. But, you know, BT and Queensbury don't often do themselves justice either with their undercards. So I'm interested to see your guys' thoughts on if you think there might be some big names on there or some genuine 50-50 fights. Um, and I will go back to you again, Elliot, for that one. Um, yeah, so I know one guy who is going to be on the undercards is um, Isaac Lowe, who's fought mm-hmm. in Tyson Fury's undercards beforehand in the States. Um I know he lost his last fight, but I think he's a good he's a good fighter. I think he's a Europe, you know, he's capable of winning a European title for sure in his career, in my opinion. Um, I think he's kind of rumored to be fighting Jordan Gill later in the year. So mm. perhaps this would be, I don't know if it'd be a warm-up fight or a comeback fight, I'm not sure. But um that's one name I've heard is pretty much confirmed. I mean, I think a lot of the time when there is an event like this. The money goes towards the main event, i.e., yeah. 
in Glasgow last weekend. I mean, Carnell Brook. The undercards weren't weren't fantastic, and I imagine that will happen here. Um, so I would keep expectations limited <laughs> for, for the undercard in terms of other names. Yeah, can't really think of anyone else. I can't remember the name. There's a New, New Zealand cruiserweight who trains with Tyson Fury and Joseph Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name, sorry. Um, but he he could possibly be there. I don't know if they would maybe try and promote if Top Rank would want a couple of their young American fighters to get some good exposure. So you could see some good talent on the undercard. Um, I'm sure you know there'll be a couple of Queensbury fighters um, who could who could do with the exposure. But whether you're going to get like big names and big fights on the undercard, I um, I'm not convinced to be honest with you. No, I, I do tend to agree with that. I think we'll, we'll either see one or the other. We'll see maybe one or two sort of big names against easy opponents that they'll just roll over, or we might see a one or two 50-50 build kind of fights. But yeah, my, yeah. my expectations aren't high for sure. Yeah, I think, I don't, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what I'm a big um, Daniel Dubois fan and he's obviously with Frank Warren mm. and I think he's due to be back in the ring either April or May so I mean it's the perfect platform isn't it, for him yeah I mean um, him up against you know a top kind of 20-25 heavyweight would be that I'd, I'd, like, I'd, like, I'd like to see that personally so not saying it's going to happen probably won't happen but, but that's kind of a name <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's, that's an idea or something that could, could happen on the undercard yeah, it's a shame that they weren't. That they might, well, they, I mean, they might do, but it's unlikely that they're going to put any money, proper money, into this undercard because if they were willing to, you know, a, a great um, chief support or undercard fight would have been Daniel Dubois, maybe against Dave Allen. Obviously, Dave Allen is an incredibly popular heavyweight within within the boxing community, and although he's not fought, you know, on you know on a, on a big TV stage for a little while, you know, that would be a that would be a great fight and it'll just be good to see Dubois up against a credible name, as you say. Uh, maybe even Tommy Fury as well. We know he was due to fight uh, the YouTuber Jake Paul, but that obviously didn't go ahead. And you, know, you, you sort of question if he's sort of taking it seriously in boxing, whether it's you know, maybe he's just mainly thinking of the money side of things and he's not that, that serious about boxing. He probably isn't, to be fair. He's, you know, he's probably probably got a fair bit of Bob, so he don't don't really need to do it. But yeah, I think we'll see him on there as well. But yeah, my expectations aren't that high. I don't know, uh, Charlie, if if you've got any thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting anything really off the undercard. Most Frank Warren shows you see the the undercards are pretty poor. You you get the decent names, but they're always fine. Terrible opponents. Mm. Um, and no one you really want to see. I think we'll see Tommy Fury on it probably high up on the card, just to try and get his name out there. Because especially it's going to be on pay per view in America. Mm. Um, it might try and push the, the Jake Paul fight, but I don't think we'll ever see that anymore anyway. Um, you, I think you'll see a lot of his prospects on the card. I think you'll see like David Adelaide. I think he's um, he's sparring with Fury for the fights. So I think he'll be on the card. And a lot of a lot of young fighters beyond probably Dennis McCann um, and a few others like that. But I'm not expecting. Uh, any big names, especially the amount of money they paid for the fight, I, I can't see how they can justify putting more money into the undercard when the fight the fight will sell itself and it should sell 
over 80,000 at Wembley anyway without the undercard. So there's, there's no reason to put massive names on. No, yeah, without, without a doubt. Again, people are, are going to be, if they're not going to be there, they, they're going to be buying the fight for, you know, the main event. There's no there's no question about that. Um, I found it interesting as well that they didn't, um, Frank Warren was asked a question about how much the pay-per-view would actually cost and he didn't give an answer. He said it would be revealed in a few days' time by BT. So I find that quite intriguing because normally for a UK pay-per-view, it's usually nineteen ninety-five. Sometimes it gets gets pushed maybe to twenty-five quid, but it's very rare you do see it go go over that. So I'm intrigued to see what the price point will be, especially if now that White's probably not going to promote the fight as well. I wonder if that sort of changed their viewpoint on on the matter. It probably hasn't, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously. Anyone who's watched BT box office as well, I don't think it holds a candle really to the likes of the Zone and even Sky Sports pay per view. You know, you see the much bigger names in, in terms of punditry and presenters as well, commentators as well. You, you know, it's, it's it's almost another level for me. So I'll be very interested to see how the whole thing kind of goes together. But before we before we do wrap up for this week. We're going to go into quickly the fighters for us all to watch this year. We've all picked a name out that we feel is worth watching that might explode onto the scene or maybe someone who's come coming back from a defeat, coming back from injury. So I'll go to Charlie first and see who he's got to say about. Yeah, I've picked two of this one. I've gone for a British one and a, an international fighter. My British one, I've gone for Dalton Smith. Uh, I think this year is going to be a massive year for him. Um, 9-0 at the moment. Every time I watch him, I get more and more impressed. I think he's, he's got the ability to potentially go on. Definitely, definitely British, going to be British champion. Seem European. Definitely see him fighting for world honours in the next two or three years, four years. He's only young still as well. Um, I think he's got everything to go on and to be, to be a great fighter. And my international one, I'm going to go for Frank Sanchez, the heavyweight. Although I wasn't impressed with him as much in his last fight, I still feel he's got a lot to offer. And in the next year or two, he's going to be up there challenging. His name's going to be out there for the world titles. Depends what happens with them. If if they all stay with one person or if, say, Fiori wins and then he fights for undisputed or whatever happens and, and they vacates, there's going to be a lot of belts out there. And I think he'll be up there to challenge for him but obviously you've got a lot of good heavyweights coming through at the moment you've got um, Hergovic in the final eliminator with that Zang I think his name is mm-hmm. so there's, there's a lot of good heavyweights out there but I think I think he'll, um, he'll be up there and he'll be challenging the next two two three years yeah for sure I mean another, another good fight as well that I think we are now going to see is, is Tony Yoka against Martin Bagoli that'll be very interesting one Tony Yoka has been one of their names since the Olympics that has kind of been talked about as, as up and coming and he's not really had that much exposure. He's only really mainly fought in France and Paris. So I'll be interested to see how that fight goes. And if we see Yoko maybe against a big name later in the year. Um, Elliot, I'll go to you next. Cheers, mate. Um, yeah, I've got two names as well. Both of mine are British. Two guys who I think 
boxing fans would have would have heard of um two guys who I think um yeah are destined for kind of for big things. First one I think people a lot of people outside of boxing know this guy um Vidal Riley who made his UK debut um a couple of weeks ago on the Khan Brook undercard um looked pretty good in his UK debut I think I think obviously he's only, he's only five and knows only had five fights fighting at cruiserweight. Um, I think a lot of people know him as kind of KSI's coach from the fights he had against Logan Paul. And he obviously he's done some stuff outside of boxing as well. But I think when it comes down to it, this guy's a very, um, I think he's a very talented boxer. I'm not going to kind of hype him up too much and say he's going to kind of be the best thing ever. Um, but no, he's one to watch out for. And I think now that he um, he's under the, the Sky Sports boxer banner, he's going to... Um, Get 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 a get a lot of exposure and yeah, more eyes are gonna be more eyes are gonna be on on him. But no, I think he's destined for really good things. Um, the other guy is a um fight who fights in a in a couple of weeks at Wembley Arena. Um, also on the Sky Sports box banner called Zach Chelly. Um, he's been around for a little while now. Obviously, his career has been a bit interrupted due to COVID. But um, for those that don't know, he had a a draw against Jack Cullen, who are 95% of people thought he won that fight. Um, but beat Dumas Sadiq and yeah, had a had a loss to Cody Davis. So he's come up he's only had 12 fights, but he's come up against some really good fighters in his career so far. Um, and yeah, we'll see what we'll see what he can do. He's still very young. I think he's 23, 24 years old. Um, I think fighting at super middleweight now used to fight at um yeah, I think he yeah, I think he used, might might have used to fight at middleweight, but he's at he's at super middleweight now and yeah, I think he's um he's got he's he's very very explosive, very powerful. Um, I think he's improved a lot in the last, in the last two or three years. So yeah, we'll see what he can we'll see what he can do. But he's a fighter that I I enjoy fight I, I enjoy watching. Yeah, brilliant stuff, and it's it's, it's, a, it's a nice change. I actually know everyone that you've all mentioned as well. So mm-hmm. you haven't chucked any names in there that I'm not aware of, which is decent. But yeah, I've gone for two fighters as well, both British. Um, they're probably the lazy options as well because I think most people will know them, especially one, probably the other one as well because he fought at the weekend on the undercard of Josh Taylor against Jack Catterall and that is the Olympic gold medal winner, Galau Yafai, who looked so, so impressive against Carlos Valdo Batista in uh, their flyweight 10-rounder. And it's very rare that you see someone who's making their professional debut be chucked into a 10-rounder, but... It just shows how good he is and how highly thought of he is, not just by matching his promoters as well, but by everybody around him, by his team, by his trainer. And I'm very excited to see to see what he does. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's already a little bit muted that he's in the future going to be fighting Sonny Edwards for that world title. I'm interested to see if anyone who doesn't know Sonny Edwards go on Twitter and uh, <laughs> you'll soon know about him. He's um, arguably the king of boxing Twitter in terms of winding people up. So yeah, you won't be short of um, entertainment definitely if, if you follow him, but that'll be an unbelievable fight. And of course we're, we're seeing another sort of uh, fighter from that sort of banner kind of thing in uh, Martinez against Chocolatito. Next week, I believe, or is it this? It might be this weekend. I think it is this weekend, but either yeah, way, this, this week. 
yeah, it's a, it's, it's an incredible fight. One that I'm excited actually to stay up and watch. So, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see that kind of divisions doing so well, but he's one for me to watch because I think he'll be out probably another once or twice this year as well. And the other one is someone who was due to fight earlier in the year, but picked up an injury and he's actually had a few injuries now in his career, which have sort of hampered his progress a little bit, but he's, he's incredibly exciting. That is Joshua Bawatsi, another uh, Olympian bronze medalist from the 2016 Olympics in Rio. But this is a light heavyweight that has just looked so impressive in pretty much all of his fights. Again, he fights under, under matchroom um, on the zone now, but for me, I'm just excited to see what he does to see. Obviously, it's it's pretty much confirmed that he'll be fighting uh, Craig Richards in his next fight. And I'm interested to see how that one goes. I thought Craig Richards was excellent against um, Bivol when they fought. If he'd have started a few rounds yeah. earlier, he could have definitely got a decision over Bivol. And who knows, he could be fighting Canelo next. But I think it'll be a, an exciting fight, especially for, you know, Considering Bawatsi is now coming off an injury, but little, maybe a little bit of ring rust. Hey, mate. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that recording saved. I'll cry if it hasn't. I'm sure it will be, mate. That's fine. Um, right. Yeah, I'll just carry it on. But, but yeah, I'm just intrigued to see what match room they'll do with him after the, you know, if, if he does go on to fight Richards and he does beat Richards, then I think we'll be looking at a world title shot, hopefully, later in the year. Who against? I don't know. But And if he doesn't get that fight, maybe they'll try and make the Anthony Yard fight. And that's one that's been sort of talked about for a good couple of years now. Um, obviously, Yard, you know, he, he, he lost the fight. He came back and won it. And now, you know, he's sort of back on top kind of thing. So, I'm really interested to see how the light heavyweight scene unfolds. But yeah, that just about does us for today. Um, some very interesting topics. Again, great insight from Elliot and Charlie. Massively grateful for both of them taking the time coming on today. And again, hopefully we'll see them on a regular basis on the Eurotrips Boxing Podcast. But I've been your host, Ryan. And until next time, we'll see you very soon. Cheers, Paul.